comes louder. He's one on one with Hemsley, and Hemsley blocks it. Mitchell spins on Childs, and one. Cal up top, Shepard. Shepard was asking for it for three. Watson, and a foul! This is a clinic. This is Aztec basketball. What's up, Aztec fans? Welcome to the Aztec Breakdown Podcast. I'm your host. My name is Trone. I'm joined, as usual, by Kyle. Kyle, how you doing? Uh, I mean, I think I'm about as good as all Aztec Nation is, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, I want to remind you guys slash honestly, with this being the last like pod of the season, basically the season wrap up pod. Um, I, I want to send out a thank you to the fans before I forget with my scatterbrain, like, thank you guys for listening. Thank you for showing up. Thank you for doing the Patreon and the donations. Um, thank you for the YouTube subscriptions, the Twitter follows, all of that stuff. I, I don't want to speak for Kyle. I can definitely speak for myself though. And I'm sure Kyle feels similar that, uh, you guys as fans make this a lot more fun to do. And I know Kyle, we've talked about this off air. I know I started Aztec breakdown as a way to just be like, I don't have friends that like basketball. I have great friends, but they don't like basketball. So I need someone to talk to. And so for me sitting in front of a microphone was, was the way to do that. And then Kyle, you came and now I do have somebody to talk basketball with. So extending this thank you out to you, Kyle. Um, it's It's been a ride. The season didn't end nearly the way we wanted it to, but it has been a ride. So I want to send that thank you out to the fans. Yeah, man. I I, I got the same way, right? I, I'm so appreciative and thankful to everyone that interacted with us on Twitter. It we're a small show, right? I think we, we kind of grew a little bit this year and I think we'll probably keep growing for every successive year that we do this. Um, especially once we can get back in person and we can, uh, I can start doing post game like lives from the mm-hmm. parking lot. <laughs> That'd be fun. That'd be cool. Um, but there's like a core group of like, I want to say 15 to 20 people that are on Twitter. You guys are awesome, man. I'm so happy that I joined and we connected and, kind of grew this little community and i think as time goes on and we continue to grow you guys are a big part of that you know you guys are a big part of of the aztec breakdown nation um but yeah no thank you so much for for having me on it started with me like i was in the same boat you were like i was like hey i want to talk aztec basketball i love talking aztec basketball but i don't really have anyone to do that with other than my father or my brother and so I sent in um, a Malachi Flynn kind of pre uh, NBA draft episode to start things off. And I, I think it's gone really well. I think you and I work pretty good together and I think that in, we're just going to get better and, and grow from there. But yeah, thank you so much to, to you for, for allowing me on. And, and thank you so much to all the listeners. You guys really make it worth it. Really make it worth me showing up today to go through our therapy session. <laughs> So we will start today. Um, We're going to recap the Syracuse game a little bit as painful as it, as it will be um, because it's, it's, we have to. And then after that, I want to kind of 
look ahead to brighter, brighter shores and brighter futures and, and kind of talk about what the off season might hold and what we might expect and how that might differ from like what we might want to see. So that's what we're going to get into. Um, Kyle, I'm going to give you the floor for right now. I, I know you have a lot to say. Um, so just get it out there. We're all here to listen. Yeah. We're all in the same boat. Yeah, man. Um, I mean, I, I think I speak for a lot of Aztec fans when saying that was one of the single worst sporting nights of my life as a fan. Um, there's one, there was one other game that I remember giving me that feeling. And that was the 2008 NBA finals where the Lakers blew a 24 point lead at home to lose to the Celtics. Um, it's a feeling it, it's not a sense of like defeat or a sense of uh, anger or frustration it's a sense of sadness and grief and feeling like something was traumatizing. I know that's crazy, but as, as much as a sports game could be traumatizing, uh, that's what Syracuse that game was to me. And I think what, what makes it so, so sad and so traumatizing, it's kind of just like if, you look back at the situation as a whole, right? We've got two players that are two of the best Aztecs of all time in Matt Mitchell and Jordan Shackle. They're two of the best winners in the history of the program. And we're talking about a team whose last year didn't get a chance to compete on March Madness when the last people saw of them was getting beat on a buzzer beater by the most, one of the most ridiculous shots you'll ever see. So Matt Mitchell, Jordan Shackle, that's how they end their Aztec careers. Matt hasn't officially announced he's declaring, but I, there's literally no reason for him to come back. Jordan officially announced it today. Mm -hmm. um, so those two guys going out in a, it's, it's not that we lost either, right? It's, mm -hmm. it's that we weren't competitive. Mm -hmm. We got run off the floor. The game was over by halftime. And in all honesty, seeing a team where I legitimately thought we could, we could make a run. I thought we had a, and a team that I thought even the day of, I'm like, I think the Aztecs are going to win by 10 plus, but here we are. Um, and so Matt Mitchell, Jordan Shackle, uh, I think Jordan ended up having a nice stat line, but that's just because he was letting him rip. Matt Mitchell was nothing in that game. They, they uh, both, they both finished with 17 points, but most of it for both of them came in garbage time. Yeah. It was and I think, yeah. And so it's the, you, some of your best players ever, maybe not best, but, beloved going out like that never being able to see them play again them not getting senior night in front of their fans them not getting the previous year mm -hmm. uh with malachi and kj and yanni in a team that i mean honestly 
you look at last year's team and you look at the teams that are in the final four, like I think we were as good as them. I mean, maybe not Gonzaga because they're currently beating the living hell that's out of a, USC. That's, that's an all time team. But still, like we're team. talking about we're talking about the best team in the history of the program. I think I think you could legitimately put them against Kawhi's Kawhi's team. And I think and just so and then and then on top of that, like they did the pageantry for those guys, right? So before the game, they took the picture of of uh-huh. all of their them holding up their jerseys, and you got KJ and Malachi and Yanni's like, we love you guys. Mm-hmm. It just was this whole sense of family, and then it was just snuffed out in a whimper. And it just feels <sighs> I'm sad. I still have a stomach ache thinking about it. I haven't really been able to talk about the game because of how traumatized I am by it. Um, and then on top of, so all of that, and then just like, I thought we were a better team. I still think we're a better team. Like I honestly think we talked about this pre pod that if we played them a hundred times, how many times do you think that we would win before the game? I would have said 90 after the game. I'm still saying 75 <laughs> and it was a game that literally everything that could have gone wrong did from from about what was it 18 to 14 or something like that from that score line it just it was terrible and it was and and part of it that makes it worse is that like i i don't know there were things in that game that i thought they did well uh in the beginning and that they just stopped doing um, the big one being guard penetration. Trey had a layup in the, in, I would say the first probably three or four minutes where he just blew past the guy, got into the lane and got a layup. And that play was open all game and they didn't run it. And it's just kind of like one of those things where do we think that it was just the zone? Was it just one of those games? Was it, uh, did we, it, it, we, and the other thing is we, f- I really felt like we didn't have a plan B. Once plan A didn't work, it, we were toast. And just seeing Matt Mitchell yelling at his teammates, trying to motivate them down 20 with like, you know, what, six minutes left. Like, it was a sad way to go out. It was a really sad way to go out. And, you know, I, th- I think I speak from Aztec Nation. We're saying that is just an incredibly disappointing end all around to the careers to the season as we'll talk about in a little bit like the program is now completely in transition like it's got to go one way or the other as opposed to the last two years we're good and I feel like as the SDN as a program in a basketball program you have you you're either in one of two camps or you're in the middle and if you're in the middle you're not good um, and the camps are we're competing for championships or two we're playing young guys to rebuild. And these last two years weren't, we're competing for championships. It's we're competing with the big boys. You, I don't know if we, we might never have expectations that high again. And if you would have told me that two years ago, that coming into the net last two years, you would have a team that was one of the best teams of all time 
and one of the best Aztec teams ever. Of course, this year's team wasn't the best ever, but they were a gr- really good team. They were, and they were a really fun team to root for. And that those two teams would result in zero NCAA wins. It's sad. It's just sad. Yeah. I, I think I made my peace with the game not right after it ended, but pretty quickly after. But it was almost like being petty for petty's sake to make peace with the game because I was watching the game and I was just in disbelief almost. Like this wasn't happening just because throughout the entire game, for the most part, the Aztecs would get they, – they weren't great at penetrating, right? And you brought that up. And there were a couple times where, like, they tried to throw alley-oops and it just went out of bounds. But they were getting open three-point shots throughout the entire game, right? And these are some of the best shooters the Aztecs have ever seen. Between, between Matt Mitchell, Jordan Shackle, and Terrell Gomez, these guys can light it up from out there. And they were just all – missing and then on top of that buddy Bayheim is out here hurting hitting turnaround three-point jumpers from like six feet behind the line with matt mitchell guarding him and i'm like there's there's nothing you can do it's such a it's it, it was such a fluky game and i went on twitter like towards the end of the game and afterwards and people were upset and they weren't like sad like the way you're talking about like they were angry and i was like i mean i was angry too I got and, sad and, after it ended though. And and to a certain extent, I get the anger, but there was just things that people were saying that I was like, I don't want to be this person. And so I'm not going to be. And so it Syracuse made a deal with the devil to, to make it to the sweet 16. Cool. Good for them. That's fine. I'm going to move on. Um, it It is very disappointing thinking about how like, arguably the best recruiting class in Aztecs history after four years does not have a single win. And it's, and largely just because of the pandemic, which affected everybody, but between, between Seiko Mitchell and Shacklin Seiko still has a year, but um, yeah, that was, that was a bummer. I'm not going to harp on it too much. I like to stay positive. That's, I just, I don't like being sad, so I'm not going to be sad. So let's look to the future, Kyle. I'll <laughs> be sad for both of us. <laughs> you can be sad for both. I will, I will allow you to do that. I don't recommend it, but I will, I will allow it. Um, look into the future. Right now, you mentioned Matt Mitchell hasn't announced that he's leaving, but he's leaving. He's never made any indication that he's spent even a single second thinking about staying. He's done his part. He has nothing to gain by staying. Um, I was looking at it actually. And every, I looked back like 12 years and every Mountain West player of the year uh, award winner has played professionally somewhere. Most of them have gotten at least NBA opportunities, even if they didn't stick around for long but they've played professionally somewhere and had careers. And so he, he has nothing. What's he going to do Win the award again? Like that's, it's not going to help him. So he's gone. Shackle has announced that he's leaving. Gomez announced that he's leaving. Tomayich hasn't announced, but he had similar to Mitchell. He had an Instagram post that makes it sound like he's leaving. We are still waiting on Trey Pulliam's decision. And the rumor mill is saying that Pulliam 
kind of wants to leave. He's done his four years, uh, but his mom would like him to stay because he can start his graduate program while still on scholarship, which is cool. So waiting on, on Pulliam and what his decision will be. But right now, there are five players returning that got rotation minutes last year. It's Butler, it's Seiko, it's Johnson, it's a rope, and it's Mensa. That is right now, if the team was going right now, I think that's the starting five. And it's not a very sexy starting five. It's there's a lot of potential there. Mensa's solid. Seiko plays his role, but that's not that's not a team that's gonna win the Mountain West, I don't think, next year. Yep. And here is where we meet the ever conundrum that I just discussed. You're mm-hmm. either a team competing for championships or you're in rebuild. And I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. I don't want transfers. I want to rebuild. Um, I don't think that's the starting five. I don't think you can play a rope and Johnson together. That's just not possible. I don't um, think so either. But. So I think you're probably going to have to, you're, you're going to have to get a transfer, uh, which I don't want. I mean, of course, if they're young, like I'll, I'll take a junior or a C or a junior or a sophomore transfer, but some of the guys we're being linked with, um, I don't want, right. I mean, great. Let's be honest. We'll take good players. Um, but I just, <sighs> I would much rather see Dinwiddie and Butler start next season in the backcourt and form this insane backcourt partnership because we saw when he came in, Dinwiddie can shoot the lights out, man. Um, He's got a jumper. And that, that backcourt, they're not it. They're not it, right? They got a ways to go, but you saw, what a incredible defender and playmaker and incredible defender and spot up shooter did with KJ Fagan and Malachi Flynn. And they won us the conference going away. They got beat in the end on an incredibly lucky shot in the final. But let's be honest, like that is, we're talking about a backcourt that can grow and have multiple years together and can create something special. And that's something that the Aztecs haven't had in a long time is a, is a group of backcourt that plays together for a long time. And you're looking at another three years of Lamont Butler. You're looking at three plus years of Dinwiddie. Right. Um, And I think you kind of just gotta, it's, you gotta give Butler the keys. I said it earlier than the year. And now if trade, if Trey's on the fence, like, man, go. Cause if your heart's not in it, bro, there's no reason for you to be here. Um, I would love Trey to come back. I thought he at the end of the year was our best player. Um, and he really improved a lot. And like I said, I'm never going to say I wouldn't welcome a good player on our roster because mm-hmm. If you look at all of the guys we're rumored to have offered, it's like a really high list. We're talking like, I'm pretty sure you tweeted something out today about like four or five guys, but 
there's even rumors of, I don't know if you've watched last chance. You, Mm-mm. there's a player on their name. Kate last chance. You basketball. If you guys haven't watched it, f- figure it out. Watch it this weekend. It's on Netflix. I'm telling you, if you like basketball, this is one, an incredible show. And there's a player on there who was LA County player of the year. His name's KJ, not the sharpest tool in the shed. He accepted an offer from you at the end of the show. You hear his dad say that he got offered by San Diego state and us or S USC. And then he accepted USC, but he's not go. He didn't go this year because of some academic reason. So I'm wondering, man, if he could come in, cause he, he is a freak, right? Um, and he's the type of player that I think Dutcher would do so well with, but the po- the possibilities for transfers are so there's they're such a wide range. I don't know, and I think that reality. Before I pass it back to you, I think that reality, and this is for all of Aztec fans. I think best case scenario next year would be we're like the four seed and we're the last team getting a buy in the first round in the Mountain West tournament, and I think that the next year after that that's when things could go really good. I, yeah, man, it's, it's tough. I'm not going to lie. I, I don't think I subscribe as much to like this. You're either championship or rebuilding as much as you do. I see it. I see where you're coming from, but I don't think I hold to it as seriously as, as you do. And that's, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with it. Um, yeah, yeah. It's um, where am I going with this? I'm so scatterbrained right now. It's the worst. There is a value from a fan perspective of bringing in somebody as a freshman and watching them grow for four years. Right. And that is why I don't Jordan want to shackle. I, yeah. I don't want to speak for you, so but beloved there. God, those are two of my favorites. Right. And, yeah, and they got, and, and they got better every single year and uh-huh. they lived up to, they surpassed where we thought they could be like, that's, yeah, that's where I feel about Lamont. And I felt the, the, the more recent player that I felt that same way about was Dakari Allen. Like I watched him as a freshman and I went, mm-hmm. Ooh, mm-hmm. He has some special skills on the defensive end and be me being a, I, I love defenders and that's why I think I love Lamont the most, but yeah, I'm sorry to hijack yeah. your point. No, no, no. But yes. No, that's absolutely true for me. Yeah. It's, it's the memories you build over those four years, as opposed to somebody like a Gomez who was really good, but you just, you only get one year with them. Right. Or even, even Malachi Flynn, right. Great player arguably the greatest player like during his time as an yep. Aztec, right? Kawhi Absolutely. Leonard, Kawhi Leonard went off and, and is, is better, but like on during his time here at the, uni- I say here, I'm in Montana during his time at the university, Malachi Flynn, arguably the best player, but that emotional connection isn't the same. Right. And so there's, there's value in that. There's also from a coaching standpoint, there's value in bringing in, in terms of transfers, a transfer when they're young. So after their freshman or their sophomore season, and there's even value in having them sit out that year. Right. And I've, I've said on this show that I'm all for like the player empowerment and players shouldn't have to sit out, 
but I do understand the benefit from a coaching standpoint of bringing that player in and having them sit out and take that year to learn the system, learn the guys, build that chemistry, all that stuff. A guy like Malachi Flynn benefited from that, right? He, he sat out a year with the Aztecs and made the freshman team beat the, the starting team. So, you know, it, it definitely helped him. So there's, there's value in bringing in young guys and giving them more time to, to do everything. There's also, you know, coach Dutcher said over and over again, and he said it recently that like, he wants to get old and, and stay old. He wants these players to come in and be experienced in that way. He can compete for a championship every year. And it's a very similar strategy as somebody like Duke or Kentucky uses in terms of bringing in the best players. But the difference is you don't have to teach them everything because they already know so much because they have three or four years of experience already. So um, I see, I see the value in all the things. And while I would love for coach Dutcher to figure out a way to like bring in two or three freshmen every year. And that way everybody else is older. And if you just stagger it perfectly, you're old every year with guys who are four year program guys, it, it doesn't work like that, sadly. Um, And so I think Dutcher said recently that he's expecting anybody else that comes in, they have one freshman committed. He's expecting anybody else that comes in to be a transfer from what I can tell, they aren't even going after any, any high school players anymore. I think Ziegler said they're going after one. Yeah. Um, I mean, here's the thing there this year. And I think it's a hundred percent due to COVID and them loosening the restrictions. I feel like there are more good players uh, in the transfer portal than ever mm-hmm. before. Um, and I think that San Diego state has this, this recipe for success of you're on a program, you're a star or a, or a, or, or a contributing player on a, either a, you're, you're either a star on a worse program, say like Washington state Malachi, mm-hmm. Flynn, mm-hmm. or you're and if you want to use a recent example, you're a very ro- limited role player who can come in and do a job like Tamayich, um, for who played at Maryland on mm-hmm. a better program. Now, Maryland being a better program than the Aztecs. I mean, that's right now it's debatable. Um, <laughs> but I think that there are a lot of different guys out there. Um, and I think you're right. I, I, I look, I hear, I hear the, uh, let's bring in some transfers and, and kind of reload and that's fine. Mm-hmm. But I think you've got three guys on the team that you need to kind of start recruiting for and building around. And that's mm-hmm. KJ, Kashad Johnson, mm-hmm. Lamont Butler, and Dinwiddie. Now Dinwiddie barely even played this year. And that's me just going off of his very limited, you know, playing time, but this team was guard heavy. Right. And so next year we're, we have, I mean, it's going to be Seiko and Dinwiddie. I actually wouldn't be surprised if we kind of did like the, a hyper small lineup and played Seiko at the three to start. Um, and then played KJ with Mensa. Uh, that seems more realistic to me, but the other thing is like this freshman class coming in while it didn't have, it, it didn't have like the players per se of, Mitchell and Shackle. I think there was some, a a good amount of hype around it. 
And I think a player like Che Evans, who I basically, I remember the preseason pod, I mm-hmm. talked him up like he was going to be mm-hmm. significant minutes. That just doesn't, doesn't go away, right? Um, problem with the rope, it, it, he's, he suffers from one of the worst and most unpredictable things for an ailment that you can have, and that's vertigo. He didn't even play against Syracuse. And I thought after speaking with, you know, you and others, he could be a valuable because he's got, he's really good right around the basket. Yep. Um, gosh, I don't even want to think about that. And, and even, um, even just going off of that, even before this year, he's had injury problems every year. So yeah, like when so he's on, really- when he's healthy and in a rhythm, he can be a big time contributor, but it's, he can't stay in that rhythm. He's always missing time with something. And it's, it's such a bummer. Yeah. So I don't think you can count on him uh, moving forward. I mean, I would love to, right. I think that him, I think that he, him being like the sixth guy off the bench or really that first wave of players that he would bring in uh, that Dutch would bring in is really good. Uh, Him and Seiko. I think Seiko is, He's just so perfect for that six-man role. Now, I would totally understand if Dutch starts him over Dinwiddie, and but I need Dinwiddie to play minutes next year. I need him to play significant minutes. I think he'll play. Um, yeah, just because Seiko, I think, and if he want, if Dutcher wants to say Seiko earned this, totally fine with that, right? Like he really did. He was the six-man back-to-back years. And did his role very well, like to a T. But the other part of me is what happens when his role changes? Is he going to be okay? Is he going to flounder? Now, well, I think Dutcher is safe to, he, he's willing to kind of give those players, this is Dutcher. He's willing to give you a chance, but he's also not willing to admit that he was wrong. Just look at how many times he changed the lineup this year. I think he might end up starting Seiko, but if it doesn't go well, he'll give him a hook and he'll go back to that role that we know he's good at. But I don't know, man. It's just like we're coming into this phase where next year we don't have a go-to score like in Matt Mitchell. Mm-hmm. We don't have a bona fide shooter. We, uh, unless Lamont gets better at his playmaking, we don't have a playmaker. Mm-hmm. Um, we're a lot less deep. Because, you know, this year we were we could have legitimately been 10-plus deep. Mm-hmm. Next year we're looking at a very thin team. It'll, um, it'll depend on who gets brought in for sure. So it much depends on who air. gets brought in. How many scholarships do they have right now? It's got to be quite a few. So the way I understand the rules, there are five players who are classified as seniors this year. Four of them are for sure leaving. But the tricky part is, even if all five were to return, the Aztecs would still have five scholarships available. They're doing this weird thing where like a returning senior doesn't count against the scholarship limit. So even if Pulliam comes back, in theory, they have five scholarships, but they won't use them all. Yeah. Guaranteed. They'll use, they'll use three or four of them. And that'll, that'll depend on if Pulliam comes back. And the freshman that's coming in, Demarche Johnson, I haven't seen a lot of him, but I don't think he's going to see any time. He'll be very much like Dinwiddie and Shea Evans were this year, where like garbage time only, basically. So yeah, he's very he's very much like the next. Uh, he's from Oakland, right? He we got the the best player out of the out of Oakland, and that's kind of like that's been a nice spot 
for the Aztecs recruiting historically, um, Northern California, right? Think about how many guys have come from Northern California for state. Um, and he's huge, but I really feel like he's very similar to KJ. Um, we'll see, right? We'll see. I've, I, I know people that are really high on him. Um, and the dude is in the mold of KJ. He's six nine, but the mm-hmm. dude has a forty plus inch vertical, and it's just an absolute freak athlete. Wait. And I think that if if he could, I mean, yeah, we'll see. He might not. I don't know if he's going to play or not. When KJ committed, I I did something. I wrote a piece or I did a tweet or something, and the sum the summary of it was basically like, this guy is hyper athletic. He has a lot of potential, but he's very raw. His skill set is is very limited. And in high school, he played a position that he's not going to play in college. Demarche Johnson doesn't have that last part because he will be either a center or a power forward in college. He's six nine. That's what he's going to do. Um, but other than that, like very similar in the sense that he's super athletic. He can jump out of the gym. Um, he needs to put on some muscle, but he's you know 17 18 whatever so that's normal um but he's very raw in the in the skills department i did want to ask you since we're talking about about kasha johnson here do you think over the course of we'll do we'll do two questions here first question is do you think he does another two full years at state because there were some saying that they expected him to be gone before his senior year and then part two is do you think that like power forward role is where he'll be for those next two years first question will he be here for two years uh that depends on how many jump shots he's putting up in the summer this year uh if he comes back next year and can shoot 35% 35% from three mm-hmm. point range mm-hmm. and knock down that corner three specifically. The dude is an NBA level athlete. And I really think that he's an NBA level rebounder already. Um, problem is he's gotten literally no other tangible skills other than his athleticism and his rebounding. And he could, you know what? He plays really good defense. And in today's, you know, NBA level of, the positionless basketball and how in the past, you know, your point guard would be really small and your center would be really tall. And Mm -hmm. now it's kind of just like even across the board, he's definitely got the body and the wingspan and all of the measurables to kind of play in today's NBA, Mm -hmm. but he's got to get better. Right. If he left, that's a bad situation. Um, We're talking about a guy who, like, look at Jamal Franklin. Like, he didn't pay it pan off in the NBA. He should have came back an extra year. Um, I don't think it would have mattered. That I mean, that's a conversation for another time. But I don't. Yeah, yeah, we can have. I don't. That I don't think it would have mattered. Season. But um, I, I see I where you're coming from. Yeah. I don't think KJ. He's not ready. He's just so. He's still raw. There was tangible improvement this mm-hmm. year, mm-hmm. and I'm a big believer in. Once you hit 20 years old, is kind of when things start to click for a lot of players your junior year you start you're not you're not a you're an upperclassman you're not a lower classman mm-hmm. um you got a little bit more responsibility a little bit more you know you're flat out you're gonna have to play more um 
I think it really depends on this season. He could have a monster season. Like KJ has all the potential in the world. He really does. Without a shadow of a doubt, he could be the best player on the team next year if he takes mm-hmm. a leap. Mm-hmm. And he could be the best player in the conference next year if he takes a leap. But the it, he, he's got the Malik Pope effect, right? How high is that ceiling or how, how much is he going to grow mm-hmm. each year? And if Malik Pope grew as much as Matt Mitchell and Jordan Shackle, Malik Pope would have been a top 15 NBA draft pick, but he didn't. He grew marginally, right? And so KJ's ceiling in terms of next year is depending on how much he grows. If he grows more, if he grows as much as he did in the last year, because when he was a freshman, you were just like, this guy is insane, but he literally can't do anything. Mm -hmm. And then this year you can see the foundations. So if he builds upon those specifically with that three point shot, if he can hit that corner three, Lamont will find him just drive and kick, right? Mm-hmm. His ceiling goes up measurably. So I think, I think he'll stay. I think he'll stay. Um, and then is he going to play power forward for the next two years? I mean, I don't see why not. I, I mean, you got, unless they want to go small ball five, right? Um, I don't see, I don't see a scenario where he's playing the three unless, unless, uh, you know, talking about those leaps. Yeah. Unless the Marche comes in and is, is like the truth, which I don't think any of us expect that. Right. I think he was what, like a three and a half, four star. Like he's not, I don't know. He's raw. He's raw. He's raw. Um, I just don't see where that next player is going to be. Right. I don't see where, where he, I don't see how you play him at the three, man. You, you need to be a much better shooter. If that's our small forward. Now, the other thing is I'm with him. If he doesn't take a leap at three and he's playing the three, we're looking at a very much old school, the Aztecs score 45 points a game and you score 40. And that's mm-hmm. how we win team. Mm-hmm. Um, not and a frankly, lot of I don't spacing. hate, yeah, I don't hate that. Right. I mean, wins a win, a win is a win and we're going to beat you how we can beat you. I just don't see it would take a, if he's playing the three next year and he's playing it well, that question about him staying around, I don't, there might not be a, a chance in hell he stays around if he's a legitimate starting three on this team like that. Sure. Cause he will kill the other threes in this league, if he can shoot a jump shot mm-hmm. and we've already seen him, he's an incredible on ball defender. He's an incredible off ball defender. He makes some bonehead plays like, cause he's young, but all young players do, but he's got a ways to go, man. I, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like I am rooting for the guy hard because yeah. his ceiling is bigger than anyone. Mm-hmm. I think, I think Lamont's ceiling is pretty dang high. Yes. But I think after Lamont it's him. And so yeah. you got two years to prove it, man. And, that's kind of what I remember them tell. I remember the press talking about with uh, another guy who didn't drastically improved and only gradually improved is Winston Shepard. Um, yeah. That's a good so you've got, you can either go, you can either go, you know, uh, Matt Mitchell, Jordan Shackle greatly improve, or you go the, the, the minuscule improvement. Um, I will say this though. I think Dutcher doesn't, I think Dutcher's better at developing players. Much smaller sample size, um, but he's much more. 
we saw this year Lamont would have never got playing time with with uh with Steve never um and so I think that he's more willing to take the risks and with that comes you got to deal with the mistakes mm-hmm. but it's also the huge reward so I think I mean I, I don't I don't see that I think we probably get one transfer. I would assume it's going to be a small forward or a guard or like a, somebody who can play a, a hybrid three, four role. I think they probably start at the three. And I think that uh, you go from there. Mm-hmm. I think a guy that we've been mentioned with, and I've seen him play a couple of times that could definitely fill that spot is, is Noah Gurley out of, uh, I think it's Fordham. I think is the, Furman, yep. Furman. Furman. Aztecs um, just talked to him two nights ago for the listeners. Yeah. So the dude, like, uh, he he can score. He's a freak, right? He's a he's an athlete. He's six eight. He's he is the Aztec prototype. He is the a rope. He is the uh Kashad Johnson, same body, hyper athletic, very similar skill set. Um, got a little bit of a jumper on him and can score around the basket. A little bit. But, uh, um, I don't know. I mean, we'll see. The other thing is we got to talk about, uh, if we're going to talk about transfers, we got to talk about how they come to SDSU and they level up because that's kind of been the theme across the board, right? Is these guys, they come in and they outperform their previous, their previous position. And you can think, and I think that's a part of its culture. A part of it is the talent around them is better. And so when your talent around you is better, you always play better. Just look at every player that LeBron has made great. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and I think the program and the players around them are big, but yeah, dude, it's, it's <laughs> next season's interesting. Um, how do you feel about KJ? I know we kind of just been rambling, but how do you feel about KJ? No, for sure. I, I think he's going to play two more years. I think that would just be a monumental leap for him to go pro after next season. And it's possible, but if like, you know, if I'm projecting it, I don't think it happens. Um, I think this, this coming season, I think he will continue to play that power forward role. He's so good at like those weak side blocks and he shot 37% from three this year. It was on 19 shots. So you can't trust it, but like he showed that, that he, can possibly do it right it's 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 promising um i think this this coming season he'll play the four but i think what will be best for him and his professional aspirations is eventually like by his senior season playing that small forward role and not only being able to like hit three point shots but being able to create his own shot that's going to be the step once he once he figures out like this is how you hit three point shots right off of Lamont Butler driving kicks his senior season if he can create those shots for himself that's going to be huge yeah um the other thing since we're talking about the future this year we were very much a uh, we did a lot of isolation we did a lot of isolation. Uh, we ran players off screens for the most part this year. There's a lot of off-ball screens. A lot of off-ball screens. Um, I think one thing that we really got to talk about, and 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 I think is we didn't talk about this pre-pod, but since we've been talking, I thought about it is how do we feel about the Lamont Butler, Nathan Mensa pick and roll and abusing the living hell out of 
out of it next year? I mean, I think that's going to be what it is, honestly. I think Dutcher is very much a pick and roll oriented coach. Mm -hmm. And when you look at, he said four, four years now, and that's been the bread and butter for the most part, especially when he has players to do it, right? When you look back to 2018 using Trey, Kellen, Malik Pope, and that was, that was a deadly combination. Um, Tried it a little bit the following year. It was, it wasn't quite as good. You know, you got like Devin Watson and Jalen McDaniels, but he still tried to do it a lot. Last year, Malachi Flynn and literally anybody. The best like in the country. But also having Yanni Wetzel doesn't hurt, right? This year, you know, they would do it sometimes. Lamont Butler showed a lot of ability to get into the paint. He's going to have to learn how to finish once he gets there or when Mm -hmm. to kick out to somebody else, right? Um, But he can can get there. Um, But it was a lot of, based on like, the way Matt Mitchell and Jordan Shackle play, it was a lot of off ball screens and it was a lot of dribble handoffs, which can work similar to pick and rolls, but they didn't quite use them the same way. Um, so it was just, I think it was, it was mostly just personnel, right. And getting people into the spots that, that they're going to succeed from, which like shows great versatility on Dutcher's part, but next year handing Lamont Butler the keys and hopefully getting another guard who has that pick and roll capability, whether it's whether it's Pulliam coming back and continuing to play at a high level, whether it's another transfer or whoever. Um, yeah, I think we're going to see the pick and roll be be the big part of the offense next year. Yeah, and I think that kind of sums up where we're at. Like, for the first time in a long time, I have no idea how good mm-hmm. we're going to be next year. I think you get some good transfers in. We could be right up there at you know challenging for the title Mm -hmm. you don't and you play youth we're gonna be middle of the road you know and i think that um (laughs) there are a lot of teams that are gonna get better next year um yeah uh one thing that i think will benefit us is the coaching turnover um which or continuity i told you yeah i told you i told everyone like i wasn't even remotely worried. Mm-hmm. Um, and there you go. Like yep. you're staying. Uh, and Craig Smith gone. So RIP Utah state, you'll be yeah. back to this eight seed in no, bummer like, for the conference eight to 12 seed for the rest of your, the rest of your days, like you days. were before him. Um, I expect Keita to leave GoPro now that he left. He, 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 has, he announced it. He announced he's going pro. Oh, he did? Yep. Okay, well, that, their, their program's toast. Um, <laughs> I think that uh, I cannot believe UNLV's hire. They couldn't do better than that? Than Lon Kruger's Lon, kid? Lon Kruger's kid. Kevin who's Kruger. never coached, who's never been a, prof, a, a, a D1 college basketball head coach before? That's who you went with, UNLV? And I saw like a bunch of people left their program too. That's the other thing. Continuity is key, right? And some, there is value in, we have the same coaching staff mm-hmm. and the kids that were there that aren't graduating are still going to be there, mm-hmm. right? You're not seeing them leave. Mm-hmm. Um, that counts for something, but I, Patino, like I, I have never been more unimpressed by someone in my life. Uh, I watched his games at Minnesota because when, when the rumblings of Dutcher, which was the start of this year, 
I started watching Minnesota basketball. <sighs> no, like I, I'm not worried. Now he could prove me wrong, right? But I still think that Nevada is the program that is going to have be our the new rival. Like yep. they already were, right? They were a little bit. A little then bit. they got a new coach, and now I think it's going to be us and them. Which is funny because it's San Diego State versus um, what's his name, Nevada's head coach. I can't think. Um, of oh, name. the old the old New Mexico coach. God, what is his name? We are terrible. The guy he just came from podcast. UCLA. Oh my gosh, I always hate when I listen to podcasts and they do this, and I'm like, how do you not know this? And here I am. Yeah, here we go. I'm just he went from it. New Mexico to UCLA. Like, this is what happens when you Steve Alford. There you Steve go. Steve Alford. How we couldn't come up with that is a is a massive failure. But we just had a serious therapy session. Yeah, we are traumatized. Give us a break. Um, <laughs> Steve Alford, and then I think Colorado State because they are literally, literally getting their three best players back, and they're, they're all young. Everybody back. They're returning their they're, whole team unless somebody transfers out. They did not have a single senior on the roster. The only thing that I will say about them is, is David Roddy going to get that much better? <laughs> like, he's good at what he's good at, which is being physical and rebounding. Like, he's not going to. I mean, I guess he could turn into some lights out three point shooter, but he, he his um, jump shot improved a lot this year. I don't yeah, know if it'll improve so more, I'm, but exactly. That's kind of where I'm at. Uh, their guards <sighs> are they're even if they're starting backcourt both freshmen, right? Even no. No. Their backcourt was a sophomore and a junior, I think. I think more okay. so Kendall Moore will be a senior. Isaiah Stevens will be a junior this coming year. Roddy will be a junior. But even if Roddy doesn't get better, okay. He's okay. He's the new Matt Mitchell in terms of like being a matchup problem. He's not the same player, but he's so hard to to compete against. Mm-hmm. And I mean for state, get the ball to KJ and make him guard him from the three-point line. <laughs> Like there's a way to beat that guy. Um, And trying to go inside is not it, but we'll see. I mean, we can talk about that. Yeah. That's that's for the future. No, I I agree. Nevada and Colorado state as of right now are probably one and two in the conference. Okay. So we've, we've been rambling on here for a little bit. How do you see like the rest of the summer playing out? Right. Cause we don't uh, in the past, we know you would do a like a mountain West preview episode. Talk to the fans about what they can expect for the summer, because I know uh, it's, it's tough with college basketball, but I feel like right now there's so much up in the air. Um, you know, I think we can probably, we were talking about this before, but I think, I think the listeners can expect a little bit more content than in years in the breaks past, just because one, there's an additional person on the show. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And two, I think um, there's a lot of questions to still be answered and I'm super down to talk about every one of them on an individual basis, but uh, we'll still, we'll still be here. Um, yeah. Yeah. We will, we will be here. I'll definitely plan on doing like a conference preview just in terms of like how those teams match up with the Aztecs, but that'll be pretty close to when the season starts. Um, obviously when any news happens, we can do a show and it might be yep. the case that like one of us does a solo show for like absolutely 15 or 20 minute episode, just saying like, this is what happened. This is our instant reaction. And then later once like, you know, somebody commits 15 minute episode. And then once 
two or three people commit, we do like a more overarching mm-hmm. 40 to 50 minute episode on it. Um, and I mean, we got like, I remember the last mailbag, I must've got like 30, 40 yeah. questions and we answered yeah. six of them. So the, a lot of them are like we can, big, big program questions like, oh, mm-hmm. uh, who was your all-time Aztec starting five and stuff yeah. like that. So, yeah, we can do um, some mailbags. Things like that. We'll do and a bunch. Am, like we're not, we're not just going to go away. That's basically the point that I was trying yeah. to make. No, I am super into like these, these thought experiments. So things like who would be your all-time Aztec starting five, right? And then like even going deeper into that, what is your criteria for that, right? There was a question I posed to you earlier this year and we were like, no, we should table that. But it was, it wasn't who's the all-time Aztec starting five, but if you had to do right now, the players as they are right now, what would be the best lineup you could do of any current or former Aztec, right? So like Kawhi Leonard would be on that team. He's one of the best players in the world, but who else is on? Does Jalen McDaniels go on there? He's an NBA player. Does he make the list? Does Jamal Franklin make it? He's not in the NBA, but he kills it in China. We'll get into that later, but like, you know, that's, that's, that's the type cool. of stuff I think would be really cool for us to talk about. And I'd love to get the fan opinion on it as well as we do those episodes. Yeah. So we're going to have you guys be involved and then we'll keep you guys updated. Um, but really like, thank you guys so much. Um, it's been a year, right? It's been a year and it's sad that it ended this way, but we all just got to move on. And what I'm really happy to see is that, you know, based on the current statistics, there's going to be fans in Viejas next mm-hmm. year. Mm-hmm. And I tell you what, when that place is rocking, I don't know if there's another place I'd rather be in the entire world. No like way. that is, and as a huge Lakers fan, like I've only been to a couple Lakers games, right? But Staples when it's rocking versus versus Viejas, they're not the same, man. They're not. Um, and so I look forward to seeing all you and meeting up and having fans on the podcast next year. That'll be fun. Right. And I know we floated out this, this Twitch idea when, when life really kicked me in the butt um, before that'll definitely be a thing next year. Um, Live watch parties for the road games. That'll be fun. Um, But yeah, no, I'm just, I'm fair. I'm forever grateful to all of you and to you Trone. Like you guys are a big part of my life this last year. Like San Diego state was, but even though it ended really mm-hmm. badly, it was still a good year. It was still considered. a good year. It was like, still a good year. And I think we can do that in another pod. Like let's actually look back at the season and mm-hmm. look at the players one by one, because there were some real bright spots um, on the team with Mensa's development and Butler getting better and Trey turning into a really good player. Like there's a lot we can discuss, but yeah. Um, I appreciate you guys giving us some patience. You know, after the game, I flat out said, like, there's no chance I'm going to be able to talk on Tuesday. So I appreciate you guys giving us some space and letting me grieve. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, I love you guys, and I'm around. So And it's NBA playoffs and, and this final stretch for NBA is coming up. So I'm, I'm super always down to talk Lakers. I know that's not what you're here for, but also other sports. Like, I'm not a big baseball guy, but I know. The Padres are a huge deal, so I'm happy for you guys if you're you're into that. But um, it's not all doom and gloom. Like, if nothing else, you, eventually we're gonna get to see our families again and and our friends. And I'm gonna get to hug you guys, right? That's I'm a big hugger, so 
being able to do that is something that I'm really looking forward to next year, but thank you guys so much. It's been a, it's been a hell of a season. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. The one loss does not in any way for me tarnish this season at all. Still a good season. Um, before we head out, I think what I want to ask the fans, I've been trying to like have some type of fan engagement question for every episode. This was something somebody asked me a month or two ago, and I wanted to wait till the season was over to try and figure it out. And I haven't quite decided yet, but for the fans respond on, on Twitter, tell me, tell Kyle, whatever. But I want to ask, uh, where does Matt Mitchell, and we can include Jordan Shackle in this if you want, but where do those two players fit in terms of like the top Aztecs of all time? Do either of them make top five? Do they make top 10? Do they make top 20? Whatever. Let me know where those two fit. Um, Cause I'd be really interested to see what everybody has to say. Yeah. That's a very interesting question. Cause I think Jordan Shackle is on my all time starting five Aztecs. Wow. I think I would start him just because of how good of a shooter he turned into yep. this year but I don't think he's one of the 10 best players we've ever had. So that's yeah. interesting. Yeah. Right. But I'm telling you those thought experiments. Yep. Um, cool. With that as technician, it's been a great year. We'll be seeing you through the off season, but that does it for this one. Go Aztecs. We'll catch you next time. <laughs>